All right. Welcome to episode 001 of the Never Stop Moving podcast. Uh, this is for Elevate Physical Therapy and Human Performance. Um, this is our first episode of the podcast. We're super excited about it. Uh, this is something we've been working on for quite some time now and finally getting the ball rolling and getting it done. Uh, just since this is the first episode, I just wanted to lay the framework for what this podcast will be about. Um, I think that this is an expansion of our company, Elevate Physical Therapy and Human Performance, taking a deeper dive into some of the topics that we think are important um, that will help you kind of move your health and fitness forward, um, whether it's through uh, the fitness world or the rehab world. And we'll be touching on all the relevant topics of fitness, health and wellness, rehab, and everything in between. So thank you for joining us, and um, we're really excited about starting this process. Uh, in this first episode today, we're going to be talking about uh, this concept of you heal you, uh, something we picked up along the way a couple years ago from Dr. Tommy John, a chiropractor, and has really helped us reframe our, our uh, perspective of the health and wellness industry as well as um, how we look at our health individually. So we're super excited about this. Um, we've got my good friend Alex Mazel here with us today. He's been a longtime friend. We've trained a lot together, coached a lot together, and uh, now we're really good friends and got some really big plans for, for Elevate and for life going forward. So uh, thank you for coming on today and talking, Alex, and we're excited to have you on. Yeah, um, I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. So you just want to give a real brief intro about who you are, what you're about, and, and anything you want to talk about? Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, so I got my Bachelor's of uh, Science and Exercise Science from the University of Akron. I uh, was able to coach for about five years on uh, strength and conditioning at uh, 440 Performance. Uh, after that, I uh, finished up school decided to join the Marine Corps. Uh, so now I'm out in North Carolina station out here for a couple of years as a artillery officer yeah and that's pretty exciting um it's awesome to see the take those next steps and you know uh join the service and we're really appreciative to have you in there in the service and thank you for all your work you do um but we definitely got some some things to cover for elevate as well i uh, got some big plans with that oh yeah and i know we're both really excited about getting this information out so as I mentioned today, Absolutely. we're going to be talking about this concept called You Heal You. Um, it was introduced to us by Tommy John, as I mentioned, and it's really just helping us reframe how we view health and wellness. So we like to, or I like to think that this can be viewed from through a macro lens as well as a micro lens. Um, what You Heal You means at a macro level to us means that basically you're in charge of your fitness. Right? You're in charge of your health. I think a lot of times, especially in today's age, we like to place our responsibility of our health uh, in the hands of our doctors and our trainers and our PTs and, and all these things. But at the end of the day, you're in charge of your health and you're in charge of um, the strides that you want to make in, in moving closer to your goals. So, Mazel, I'll just kind of ask you what the macro's perspective of you heal you kind of kind of means and how you've taken that into your own hands uh, and where we think that we can go uh, keeping that in mind. Yeah, man, that's a good question. Um, I think from a personal standpoint, kind of the first introduction I had to that was uh, when I had shoulder surgery. Um, I tore my labrum uh, playing football um, and basically went into this, you know, surgery rehab process that uh, really was well over you know, a year till recovery. Um, I know you were kind of there through some of that. We were training and stuff still. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me uh, when, because I knew I had buddies that kind of had the same surgery done and, and they were still battling injuries. Um, the biggest thing I took out of that was, you know, when you're going through, you know, health insurance for physical therapy and you only have these, you know, two sessions with, two sessions a week for an hour, um, it's a tough expectation to think the, that two hours of rehab is going to get you back to whatever level you you know, you know want to be playing at. And at the time, I was going to play college football. Um, 
so I wanted to get back to that high level. Once I realized that that was not going to be nearly enough, uh, I think I took on a little bit of ownership uh, at the time, or a lot of ownership, I should say, kind of in my own rehab. And once I get, once I got into that, um, you know, healing and the process of getting better outside of that one hour of training, uh, with which my physical therapist, um, Linda Robinson, she was awesome. Uh, I mean, I learned a lot from her, but just the scope that she was practicing in, uh, as you're very familiar with, uh, you know, an in insurance-based physical therapy, it's just it's tough for a clinician to to kind of do all that they can. Um, and, and she helped me a lot kind of outside of those normal hours. Um, but yeah, once, once I took ownership and I, I think at a macro level, uh, you know, you heal you, it is, it's about owning kind of your own health and realizing that you have a lot of say into that. Um, like an injury is not a death sentence to an athlete or to anybody, but if that's how you frame it to where, you know, I had buddies that had two, three, you know, knee injuries when they were still in high school. Um, and when you start to kind of feel sorry for yourself, you kind of, you lose that ownership, that sense of, you know, responsibility for your recovery. It, it It's tough. So I think, I think kind of at the macro level to sum it up, it is, it's about ownership and realizing that you can control a lot. You know, you're not at the, the will of, your one hour of physical therapy a week or your family physician who said, you know, you're never going to be able to throw a baseball again because of this, you know? Um, yeah, but it, it, it's a, it's a tough situation. Um, especially when you have people with white coats telling you one thing, uh, and you have these, you know, I was 18 at the time, but we, you know, we, we talked earlier about the, the 15, 16 year old athlete who, they walk into the doctor's office and the first thing they say is, well, you're never going to be the same athlete again. It's like, this is a 15-year-old a kid. Uh, yeah. Odds are, if they realize, like, they'll be okay in the long run, then, you know, po- positive words go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there is a lot to unpack there that you talked about and uh, stuff we'll yeah. definitely get into and, and, and talk on and expand on. Um, the first thing I want to say is when athletes or any human really gets injured and they go into this rehab mode of seeing a physical therapist, seeing a chiropractor, whatever it may be, the system that we're in right now really only allows, at least in the insurance world, um, someone to see a, a physical therapist or a chiropractor through their insurance two, three times a week for 45 minute slots. And even then, a lot of the times you're getting, you know, the, the, the PT is seeing two, three people at once and they're having you get on the bike and then throw on these modalities of e-stem, a heat, ice, whatever it may be. And you're really not putting in that much work. So in the, in the span of all the time of a week, you know, you're spending two hours, two, three hours max in the gym working on leveling up your body. And realistically, that's not enough. So really trying to see that having a guide, a PT, a health practitioner that's helping you through your injury and helping you rehab to get you back to where you were or ideally above where you were um, better than before, you need to understand that, yeah, you, you, you go to the PT, whether it's through insurance or cash-based or go to a, a trainer that knows what they're talking about getting this information, getting that process started, but the majority of the work is done on your own time. And hopefully these people are giving you things to work on by yourself. And whether it's a home exercise program or um, workouts or whatever it may be, that majority of that work is done on your own and in the many hours that are not spent in the gym with the PT. So I, I want people to take away that if you get injured or even if you're you know, looking to start a, a program, a lot of that work is done on your own and not with the, the health practitioner. And I know that you've seen that firsthand is mm-hmm. being in there. And we can talk all day about the level of physical therapy that you received. You probably <laughs> yeah. weren't getting the level which you needed in order to help you return to, you know, high level football. 
But even if you go there and get kind of the ball rolling, you need to take those next steps on your own to really put in the time that will help your body adapt and get back to where you were, if not better than where you were before. Absolutely. And not to, not to dive into this rabbit hole, but the, I think uh, the thing that's missed a lot of times in physical therapy is uh, the whole the concept of being cleared uh, towards the end, right? Like, I, I know for myself, I got, I got cleared to play by my physical therapist and my doctor after eight months of rehab. But if I didn't realize that cleared and being ready to play are not the same thing, yeah. you know, it took myself... Uh, luckily, working with uh, Ian and, and the other the older staff at 440, I was able to get to myself. But it was another three months of work. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, plug elevate a little bit and kind of the idea uh, is blurring the lines of, of physical therapy and sports performance. Um, I listened to uh, the Compound Performance podcast today with uh, Dr. Katie Dabrowski yeah. uh, and that's something that they talked about what they're doing at old bull uh, in Miami is you walk in there and it doesn't feel like a, a physical therapy, you know, facility per se. It looks more like a gym. And I think, I think that's route, you know, well, I know that's the route you you're trying to go with this. Um, and I think once people kind of figure that out, especially as athletes, um, I think it'll save a lot of that time and a lot of that confusion kind of out the gate for a lot of people. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree entirely with that. And I know we've had conversations about where we want to take Elevate. And I think that's one of our biggest problems with the insurance model of physical therapy in itself is that it doesn't give the the athlete or the person enough time to heal from their injury and continue that process. You know, if you go in with a labral injury, your insurance is going to cover eight visits and after that, if you're not making progress, they'll stop reimbursing it. And if you are making progress via these arbitrary measures of like increased joint range of motion or um, like manual muscle test strength or even just pain like reduction, now all of a sudden your rehab ends and you're ready to go. And now you're going back to a sport, which is probably a lot more demanding than your, you know, table exercises with a TheraBand that most PTs are, are implementing nowadays. So exactly, that is why we want to take it into a direction of where we think cash-based is very effective to where that athlete can continue their care and should continue their care, whether it's with us or not, but understanding, getting people to understand that rehab is not a clear cut start and finish. Like you mentioned, it's something that's continuous even as you progress and somehow switch the name from rehab to performance training. Right. So that's a very important point you just made and, and one that we all need to keep in mind. Um, mm -hmm. I think we can take that and kind of shift into the, the micro perspective of you heal you. Um, so we talked about, Basically, we're in charge of our own health. Uh, you need to put the time and effort in, whether that's in the gym, whether that's at home, that's nutrition, that's sleeping, that's all the things that we know kind of contribute to a higher state of health and, and one that lowers injury reduction or injury risk, I'm sorry. But at a, mac at a micro level, it's the same thing. And we need to understand that our body is something that is magnificent in nature it is always healing. It's always turning over new cells. It's always adapting our tissues, whether for the, the better or the worse, which we'll talk about, but that it, it is going through a constant process of healing. And I think now more than ever with all the tools and gadgets we see all over social media and, and in the clinic, um, we think that we need these external uh, modalities to allow our body to heal. And not saying that these things can't help here and there, not saying that there is no place for these things, but understanding that our body is always healing itself and we just need to put it in the right environment for it to heal in. So kind of taking the, the perspective of, you know, treating your body as a flower and a gardener rather than the mechanic where we always need to fix something with, with a tool um, or that you need a PT or even a Cairo or whatever for your body to heal. 
you know, our goal is to ultimately tell you that you're going to heal no matter what. You just need a little bit of guidance to kind of help that process along. So physiologically, our body is always healing itself in the same way. It's just a matter of providing the right environment to allow it to heal optimally. Um, what, what do we think about this, Maslow? Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of times the the word and the term you know recovery gets complicated for no reason. A lot of times, um, you know, when you talk about all the different tools and gadgets, the you know the cupping, the grasping technique, the the foam rolling, the uh, you know the massage guns, the theraguns, all this stuff. Um, and people, people almost like, they skip like five steps, right? Like they forget the, you know, if I, you know, what if I consistently ate breakfast every morning? What if I took care of my sleep a little better? What if I just managed my stress, you know? Um, shout out Ian Connors. Uh, I know he, he always gave our athletes to talk about like the, the stress bucket, right? Or the stress bowl. Um your body doesn't care what what the stressor is, you know, whether it's relationships, work, training, injury, it all treats it the same. Um, you know, so, so if you're overlooking your training and you're missing all the other stressors, it's something that could be, that could easily, like, it could be easily managed if you just gave it a little more attention instead of focusing, oh, you know, my squat was 20 pounds lighter today or I was 10% lower than what I should have been, you know, in today's training. Instead of looking at the why, like, okay, well, I slept for five hours. I had two tests. I had, you know, insert everything else that can stress people out. Um, so I think a lot of times in, in, the, in the word recovery, we skip the easy steps and we look to, I don't feel good. I need to foam roll for 20 minutes today before I train. And now all of a sudden you know, you have these expectations of, I should be good. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think mean, that's, that's kind of where my brain goes with it. No, I think it's a, it, that's a great uh, analogy to use the stress bucket. We love to talk about that. And sometimes just pointing that out that, Hey, sometimes it's not adding things in, adding in the cupping, adding in the laser or ultrasound or, um, hypervolt or all these tools and just, identifying everything going on in your life and pulling out some of those stressors that are overfilling our bucket and whether it's causing us to get injured or slowing down that healing process like that's that's a big deal and and something that probably should be at the at the forefront of the healing mindset right and just by saying that you can see how easily the you heal you mindset blends from macro to micro right that we know our body's going to heal but we have to take care of all those things, the sleep, the nutrition, the, you know, exposure to sunlight, the, or, or why, like all these things. And, and those drive our recovery and, and understanding that those are all going to influence how we heal and in the rate at which we heal. So that's like super powerful. And I think that we all need to kind of keep that in mind when looking for, Hey, should I buy those Normatec boots to throw on and, and hmm. really like heal my legs? Because realistically, is that really what's going on, or does it just feel good and kind of help you, uh, you know, modulate your pain a little bit? Yeah, and, and so I got two thoughts with that. One, you said it initially; it's not to discredit any of the technology because I, I do believe there's a, a time and place for everything, um, and there's a whole like the psychology of it. Like if if I have an athlete and they foam roll for five minutes, and all of a sudden their legs feel better. Even if I, you know, if I don't think as a coach that that did that much, but my athlete feels better, then just leave it at that. You know, you don't have to, to tear them down. Just right. let it happen, and they're better for it. So good. Um, second train of thought was Tommy John talks about, it, like, with the, the you heal you, it's not just physical. Like, it is, like you said, healing is 24-7, so this, this process is a it's constant it is everything that you do on a day-to-day -day basis from when you wake up from when you go to bed it's not 
just if we're looking at an injury, it's not just the hour you spend at the physical therapist or the two hours you spend training in the gym. It is a continuous cycle. And obviously, like, there will be gaps in it. We're all human. We're not perfect. Um, but the better that process can be and the, the more aware, like the self-awareness aspect of it, um, just the, the easier that healing is going to be, you know, if it's an injury, if it's stress, whatever it is. Yeah, I think that we take the mindset oftentimes of, you know, where can I squeeze this little rehab in? And this is my rehab hour or rehab half hour. And I'll do my exercises in this hour. And it's like, no, you're rehabbing all the time. And so if, if we can reframe how we think about that, whether that's working in, you know, micro movements, micro exercises throughout our day, um, doing those, going on walks, working on our sleep and our nutrition, all those things. It's not just a, uh, you know, a, a brief window that we get to rehab and we get to sprinkle that rehab on and then all the rest goes out the window. I think that's, it needs to be understood that your body is rehabbing 24 seven and you need to take those steps to, to assist that process. Um, and that's through all those things that you just mentioned. I do want to dive into that first comment you had, that first thought, which is really important because, you know, we see all these tools and gadgets and, you know, we get all the fads where everyone loves to have the bruises on their back from the cupping or post their pictures of the, in the Normatec boots or whatever it may be. Even though there may not be a lot of research showing the true efficacy uh, of these things, there is that power of placebo effect. And if it's, if they think that it's helping, I a hundred percent agree. You don't want to tear that down and say, Hey, don't foam roll. That's stupid. It's not breaking up any of your fascial adhesions, whatever the hell that even means. Um, there's no sense in you doing that. Um, I would rather have time. Like there's no sense if they want to do that. That's fine. It's just about how we frame that and how we educate our athletes on doing so. So if they want to foam roll, before their session, their training session, or before their rehab, that's fine. It's just about meeting them where they're at, letting them know, hey, this may not be doing what you think it's doing. It may not be healing your tissues. It may not be breaking up those adhesions and and laying down new tissue and bringing blood flow to the area because, in all honesty, the research didn't hasn't shown that, and that's fine, but making sure that they're spending their time doing the things that will assist in their actual healing process, right? So if you're going to come to the gym and foam roll for 30 minutes because it feels good, then we maybe have a conversation about if you want to do that before you come, that's fine. But when we're together and the things we're going to do, I think that there's things higher on our priority list that we could be doing. So it's all about just how we frame that with our athletes and making sure that our athletes understand that it's okay if you want to do that and you think that helps and that makes you feel better, but we need to prioritize, you know, X, Y, Z, the things we've mentioned continuously over the, the thing that is making you feel better, right? We need to be doing the things that are actually assisting in that healing process. So I think that's an excellent point and, and something that all athletes can take away. Spot on, man. Spot on. Um, <clears throat> I think I think we were going to hit it later, but easy transition. Uh, the concept of buy-in. Yeah. Right? And when you get athletes, new or old, uh, and they are doing something that you, you know, may, might not think inherently is moving the needle forward on them, um, it is worth a conversation. Right. I'm not saying, and I don't think you are either, that no harm, no foul, don't speak out, don't say a word. Um, I think one thing you can do as a coach or a leader or a clinician, whatever, is educate your athletes. Um, and I know that's like a conversation we had probably a year, like a, a year ago now. Yeah. Uh, with just If you can educate your clients to be as smart, you know, the goal should be to for them to have the same knowledge you do, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it might not be the same level, and it, it's, it varies in interest and, and whatever, but we've seen it firsthand where these, these athletes, like, you kind of plant these seeds and, and the gears start turning, and now all of a sudden it's less – it is less coaching on you and more conversation. 
And once you kind of get there, now all of a sudden the athletes, yes, they're bought into to what you're doing, but also they're just bought into the process. And, like, they start to really own and enjoy what they're doing, whether that is the recovery side of things, the training side of things. But that that allows you to kind of reach 24-7, right? Even when you're not with them, they're so bought into it. Now they're able to take this concept of you, you heal you, and they are, they're practicing it without even realizing it because you've told them about the importance of, of sleep or nutrition. Um, so I think it is, you know, just the importance of relationships and getting those buy-in from athletes allows for those conversations, uh, which leads to, you know, what, you know, ultimately what we're all going for. Yeah. No, that's, that's an excellent point. And I think, uh, you could say that, you know, you, you're in their OODA loop as we had that conversation before tie in some, yeah. some military oh, stuff yeah. too. Uh, yeah. but one, one big thing with the education aspect is, you know, when, when I have someone that's going to come see me for an injury or that wants to train or anything, that education piece is huge, but I'm not going to throw the kitchen sink at them, you know, on first day of you need to completely flip over your mentality about training or health or whatever it may be. It's <laughs> right. going to be those tiny seeds, those tiny conversations as we move forward and start to work together and, and, and peel, you know, off those layers of, of how to better think about their health. Um, and we know that that's going to take time. Unfortunately, what we see a lot of times, especially in the rehab world is people come in for a consultation or evaluation or whatever it may be. And, the PT takes the, or the Cairo or whatever health professional takes the educator teacher role immediately. And we start throwing around all these anatomical terms, these ideas and philosophies, and basically throwing out stuff that where the person may not even care. Right. So it is a matter of educating your athlete, educating your client or whatever it may be, but doing so in a manner where they're able to receive it or they're receptive to it and they want to learn more. So I'm not going to throw the kitchen sink and say, this is what you need to know. This is what you need to do. But we're going to have those conversations as we get to know each other. Uh, you're going to learn real quick that if we're working together, you, you better be ready to, to put the work in. We're going to stress your body in the way it needs to build that tissue capacity, to, to teach that nervous system, to desensitize it and, and adapt to the positions and forces that you need to in your sport or life. Um, but that education hap happens kind of continuously over that long period of time, training or rehabbing together. Absolutely. So I think one thing to, to add on there um, or to kind of piggyback off of is that our body is adaptable, right? We know that our body is adaptable and, and through this process of healing, as we're taking ownership of our own healing process, our body is adaptable. We are efficient beings where we're constantly turning over tissues. We're constantly regenerating cells. And this happens for the better or for the worse. So when we talk about this tiny window that people create of rehab, you know, where can I squeeze in my rehab? I'm going to wake up in the morning and squeeze in my five minutes of stretches. Or when I get off work, I'm going to do my five exercises, three sets of 10 and expect my body to change for the better. But in reality, those inputs need to be consistent to create that adaptation on our body. So whether we're training continuously day in and day out for, for a long period of time and creating that adaptation, or whether we throw in those mini workouts, whatever we want to call it, um, your body's going to adapt for that. So I don't know. Do you want to touch on that and see, and see where we go with that? Yeah. Um, so, so the first place, you know, my mind kind of went with that is look at the like amazing feats people do. I mean, yeah. you look at like the Ironman, like the World Championships. That's an extreme level, but the things that our body's capable of, if stressed correctly, and over a long period of time, it, it, it's incredible. You know, these guys. Uh, Kipchoge running a sub three hour marathon like he didn't just wake up and do that you yeah. know I, I think people forget that our bodies aren't super fragile 
you know, uh, we've talked about that too, but, um, you know, if, if you, if you round your spine when you deadlift yeah. or if you're doing a Jefferson curl with a hundred pounds, you're going to be able to walk the next day. You know, it's, it's just a misconception. I think not with everybody, um, but through some communities that you have to lift a certain way, you have to train a certain way. And if you don't do this, you will get hurt. Right. Um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, I just think we're not fragile creatures. I think we are capable of a lot more than people realize it or than people realize. Um, that's kind of where my, my mind went. Um, yeah. I mean, you just, I want to expand on that that idea of fragility that you're talking about there, and I think that's an important one, especially as people are going to see, you know, PTs or their doctors or whatever it may be. That oftentimes this idea of fragility is is thrown at them and given to their identity, right? So understanding that if you go to your doctor or your PT and they throw these big words at you of, yeah, you have, you know, a bulging disc. And you might not be able to ever deadlift again. It, like if someone says that to you, you need to run out that door and go find someone else because, <laughs> and, and we've heard that time and time again, we know that people, you know, push this, this fear mongering at, uh, attitude of fragility to their patients and to these athletes that take that to heart and really apply that to their life. And that's pretty scary. So if, if you're going to a doctor and, they tell you that you're not going to be, you're, you're not gonna be able to deadlift ever again, or you're not gonna be able to squat or that you won't return to the same level that you were playing at before. Like, Oh my gosh, like that's insane and complete bullshit. And you should run out that door and go find someone who is going to help you get back to where you want to go. And over and over again, we see this idea of fragility in the, the, the place of, uh, of physical therapy and, and chiropractic and all this stuff. So maybe it's just recreating this world of physical therapy. So it's not done in, in that, like Katie and Kyle and them said of the office that looks like it hasn't been renovated since the eighties, right? 80s. Where, where yeah. you're having only therabands and, and dumbbells up to 15 pounds. And like, if, if you want to put the work in to get back to your sport, we need to find somewhere that's going to push you to the levels to get back to your sport. So I think we need to get rid of this idea of fragility and, and understand that your body is very resilient and adaptable. And if you do it right, you can pretty much heal from anything, um, no matter the injury or insult to your body. Why don't you touch on, cause that whole, that whole thing made me think of, uh, you posted, you posted a lot, but movement is medicine. Why don't you touch on that and where, where you've seen that work? I know you've done it in your, like use it in yourself, that idea. Um, but if you use it, any other athletes and kind of, kind of what that looks like. Yeah. So, um, in terms of movement as medicine and th this can be looked at as a, as a, at a micro level and a macro level, right? So from a micro level, from a physiological level, we understand that the best way to bring nutrition and fresh new blood and oxygenated blood and all the stuff that creates that healing response is through movement. And we like to try and create so all these. Telling, wait. Go so ahead. You tell me rest, ice, and compression and elevation <laughs> isn't what does it. You tell me rice isn't going to heal my sprained ankle. That is not the way to do it. For some reason, we That's created crazy. this idea that our body, that inflammation is always the worst thing ever and we should never have it and we need to get rid of it at all costs. And, you know, Chronic and acute inflammation are not the same thing. So this this whole process of rice is well. Even the guy who created it, Gabe Merkin, is came out and said this is incorrect, <laughs> and we're we're not going to use this anymore. But still, in every single aspect of health and fitness, we're we're sitting on the sidelines telling our athletes to rice after injuries and uh, rice after you know pretty much anything, and I, it's it's wild. But instead, understand that movement is the thing that creates and brings that new healing tissue, that healing blood, oxygenated cells, um, you know, increases synovial fluid production in our joints and all this stuff. 
movement is medicine, you know, without it, we're really not bringing the appropriate stimulus to the tissue where we're needing to heal. So I think from a physiological perspective, and, and this is what I was going to say was, uh, we're trying to show with all these modalities like ultrasound or dry needling or cupping and saying we're increasing blood flow to the area. And sure, you may get a increase in, in blood flow to the area that's marginal. You'll probably get the same thing with you know, your, your spouse giving you a little massage to help you feel better. But that's not the point. The point is movement is the thing that's going to create that influx of um, blood and nutrients as well as connect your nervous system to those movements, right? Because we're not just training the body and the tissues and the muscles and the bones. We're training that nervous system, the brain that runs the show to facilitate that healing process. So when we look at movement as medicine and working with someone who is injured and dealing with an injury, we usually try to lay off those passive modalities that can modulate pain and sure, maybe assist in the process when needed, but look at more of a movement based approach as well as, you know, the psychology side of things to, to help them heal. Um, so if, if, if someone injures their, <laughs> you're right. We're good. All right. So if someone gets injured, right. What, what we'll often have them do. And we've seen that we've tried this a lot at 440, right. Is, um, even with, even with blaze back when he, you know, strained oh, yeah. or torn his hamstring or whatever. And he came in and we were kind of helping him out is instead of, you know, ricing it and, laying off it for weeks on end until it felt better. We're going to just move that, that hamstring at as pain-free as a level as we can. And this process is way better because it, it includes the muscle. It brings that new blood flow and nutrients to the, to the tissue as well as connects our nervous system because that's ultimately running the show. And we have to kind of talk about, those modalities in that situation where they really are just pain modulatory systems or modalities. And is that even what we necessarily want? Right. Tommy John talks about this all the time is your pain, your symptoms are just a communication between your body and your brain. And when we throw ice on there, when we do cupping, when we do these dry needling things, we're just muting the conversation and not listening to our body. So instead, we're going to let that pain guide our healing process, guide what we can do, and just move where we can, load where we can, alter our training where we need to, and let our body do its thing, which is going to be healing itself. And, and that's kind of the whole message of this thing is, is managing those different stressors, managing your sleep, nutrition, all those different uh, essentials of health, but not stopping training and allowing and putting it in an environment for your body to do its thing. Absolutely. Well said. Um, I guess, you know, another, when you talk about that, I, first uh, story that came to mind was, I know Ian hurt his back. This yeah. was probably a couple of years ago. And, he basically did a, a self experiment and next time he's on, you'll have to ask him. But I remember this dude started, so he heard it deadlifting. And so the next day he started deadlifting again, but he started from like mid thigh with a 45 pound bar and he did a couple hundred reps. And basically he did that for a day or two until that started to feel easy. And he just dropped it a little lower Then he was working from the knee and maybe threw tens on. And then over the course of like a week and a half, he was based, he was back to deadlifting from the floor, you know, basically the same weight around the same weight he was doing when he, when he heard it. Um, so I think it is the, you know, don't be scared to move something after, after you got hurt. You know, uh, we've had countless athletes come in with sprained ankles and say, okay, well, what have you done? Nothing. Like, okay. Yep. Well, let's move it. Let's yep. walk. Let's try to walk normal. Let's just walk in circles. Um, so I think it is something that gets lost in, 
and I don't know where the disconnect is, you know, where that idea, where those ideas start, whether it is with rice or parents or doctors, you know, um, you know, my favorite thing is, you know, you go to a doctor with a sprained ankle and the first thing it says is like, rest for two weeks. It's like, okay, so for two yeah. weeks, don't do anything and then go right back into jogging after you've done absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, no, and I think it's, it's important to say that we don't mean to oversimplify the, pro, the the rehab process and the art of providing physical therapy, but in a lot of ways, it really is just a, a graded re-exposure to the thing that hurt you in the first place and slowly inching back to the things that hurt you. And, you know, if, if, if you hurt yourself deadlifting, we're not going to avoid deadlifting ever again, because that's, that's silly. And the same way as if you, if you get hurt playing basketball, we're not going to ask you to never play basketball again. We're going to incrementally add in those forces, those in those positions that caused you to get injured. And at the simplest level, that's what rehab is. Right. So taking that approach of we're going to just increase that load and increase that tissue capacity slowly, but surely so that you can return to the activity that you want. So the Ian example is great with deadlifting, how he just kind of slowly started adding that back in. And the, you know, we can apply another example too, that at, at a simpler level is if, if someone hurts their wrist, right? And we know I hurt my wrist a, a little bit ago and went through this same process. And what I didn't do was throw a brace on it, ice it three times a day, and then start to get back into things, right? I was able to move my wrist like hardly at all. And I went back and forth. And my approach here is to let's move this. If I went anywhere past here, it started to hurt pretty bad. So I just went back and forth into flexion and extension, played with some ulnar radial deviation, some rotation into a pain-free range and did it for a thousand reps a day. And before you know it, in a couple of days, I was able to move past that, right? And I'm able to move it even farther. And then before you know it, after a week or two, we're able to add a little load and we're able to keep making steps forward into that healing process and getting back to the, the things that we need to. And Oftentimes I think that we think that there's this magic recipe of resting and icing and doing these magic rehab exercises that are going to be facilitating this healing process. But at the simplest level, it's just introducing those things that injured it in the first place and letting your body do its thing and heal itself. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I think especially in the, it's not to discredit anything that um, it's not to discredit physical therapy, right? Cause like you said, that we are kind of, I think oversimplifying um, rehab in a way, but also in the concepts of you, like you healing you, there are these simple things that you can do like as, on an individual level. So then when you do pay the, however much money, you know, to go see a physical therapist or a coach, you're not working on these super simple things that you should be doing on your own. You're doing things that you would want a professional to be there for. Right. So it helps from a clinician and a, in a coaching standpoint, it gets you more value out of like their, their times and their service. Right. If you're not going there and like, okay, well, you know, have you moved it at all? No. All right. Well, we're going to sit here and you're going to move this a thousand times. Yep. Because realistically, that is probably exactly what they need at that time. Yep. But it is not. You aren't giving what you're worth as a as a coach or a clinician, and then the athlete or or client isn't, you know, really getting their money's worth. Even if they're the ones kind of at fault, you know, yeah. you're you're doing your job and you're meeting them where they're at. But so I think taking this ownership. In like the healing process of this holistic healing process, um, in the long run, when you do go see that physical therapist or chiro or strength coach, you're getting, you know, what you're paying for and they're able to, to do what they want to and what they went to school to do and what they're passionate about. So I think 
you know, it works on both levels uh, for both people, but it is a, yeah, you know, it starts, it starts at the individual level and, and what you can do. Oh, and I think that's a great message for people to take home too, is if, if you're going in and you get injured and you go see a physical therapist and they right are going to go in and give you, go through those same stretches or same movements or exercises that you're doing at home. And that's going to be your session you probably need to challenge that idea, ask them more questions and make sure that you're getting the most out of your care because you're hundred percent right. Those are all things you should be doing on your own and taking that ownership of doing those things on your own so that you can do the things maybe you need a little bit more guidance for in the clinic or with your PT or with your Cairo or whatever it may be. So that's a great message to take away for, for any of the athletes listening is go into it with, the mindset of getting the most out of it when you're with the person. Cause you know that you're only going to see them a couple hours a week. You know, you have a full life of doing it, everything else. So when you're in there, you need to get the most out of that. Do the little stuff on your own and optimize that as much as you can. And that's a great way to kind of, to wrap everything back in that we just talked about. Is there anything else that you think you want to touch on before we kind of wrap things up today? No, man, I think we, we really kind of hit <clears throat> everything I wanted to, to kind of talk about. Um, I think what you just said, yeah, it does kind of sum it up. And um, to me, at, like the, at the very basic level, you heal you is just about ownership. And it's just owning, you know, this the, the holistic healing process is like, woo-woo, that sounds. Yeah. You know, it is it's just realizing that everything you do, on a day-to-day basis can move the needle one of two ways. And if more times than not, you're trying to move the needle forward, then at the end of the day, you'll be in a pretty good spot. Um, and it's, it's, it's having a sense of situational awareness and realizing when that needle's going the wrong way, it's not a bad thing. You don't have to hit eject. Like you're good. You're resilient. You can handle you can handle a couple beers, you can handle some shitty food, but it's, you know, it's just realizing and it's pointed and it's, it's on purpose. Right. And then do whatever you want to do. And then it's just, it's getting back on track and moving the needle, you know, forward. And I think that's an excellent way to put it and a great way to kind of wrap things up. And just the last thing I'll kind of add on to that is, no matter who you're working with, whether it's us, whether it's at us at Elevate um, or, or the local PT that you're going to go to, you know, we're all going to have our approaches and our philosophies to care. But at the end of the day, the best approach to your health and your rehab uh, is the one you believe in. So make it something that you want to take ownership of that you believe is push, moving that needle forward, like you mentioned, and buy into it and and. Go all in because at the end of the day, if you're half-assing it, you're not going to get anywhere and you're wasting you and your clinician or coach's time. So find an approach that you believe in, one that you think is going to move that needle forward and and go all in on it because at the end of the day, that's going to put you in the position for your body to heal itself and and get back to where you need to go. Um, But I think that's an excellent way to kind of wrap things up. Uh, We... This is our first episode, where, so we're going to kind of play around with some, you know, last-minute questions that we'll ask all our guests. Um, so I know we mentioned this kind of before the show, Mazel, but I will ask you, and we'll try to come up with some decent questions for for all our guests. But I guess at the end of the day, when all things are said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? And I know you are. We're still kind of figuring out where we need to be. Um, in terms of career path and, and what we want to do on this earth. But what do you think you want your legacy to be when, when the time comes? Yeah, man, like I said earlier, that's a, that's an awesome question. It's a heavy question. Um, and you know, to me, I kind of think like the, the thing that comes to mind is just how you live your life. Right. Um, I want my legacy to be just, I want people to know, like, I I tried to leave everything better than when I found it. And I think if you go into every situation, um, 
whether that's work, personal life, like walking on the street, you know, just leave everything better than you found it, you know, and that can go a million different ways. Um, that's kind of, I guess, my overarching theme that I came up with. Um, but I'm going to turn the question back on you, Kev. <laughs> what do you want your legacy to be? Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for uh, turning that back around. That's a great answer. Um, I think, <laughs> I think for, for my legacy and I think as I'm expanding myself into this, this awesome company, uh, elevate physical therapy and human performance, I want my legacy to just be bringing people together. Uh, I think we've really seen the power of community, the impact it's had on our lives. Uh, all the ones, all the lives that are kind of around us at 440 and, um, the communities we've created beyond that. I think I want my legacy to be, to, to create something where people are easily able to better themselves in whatever way they desire. And I think growing that community and providing people an environment to do so, uh, really allows people to prosper in, in the ways that they desire. So at the end of the day, when all things are said and done, I really hope people see that in me, um, in that I put, help people reach their goals and move their, their needle forward and, and do what they want to do in life, whether that's in the health and wellness field, whether that's in the sports they want to play or just creating the relationships they love and, and getting the most out of life. Um, I think that, that that's kind of the way I'm approaching things and, and taking that into building this, this company. awesome man no i love it um i guess you know i appreciate you having me on it's yeah. an honor to be on the the first never stop moving podcast that's right uh, i'm looking forward to to hopping on many more in the future um uh, but it's it, you know i think it is super exciting to to see where elevate's going to go in the next couple of years um you know already how much growth you've had in the last year i think it's just going to keep going forward so I'm super pumped to be a part of it. Um, and yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir, man. Well, we had to get you on for the first one and I know we'll have you on for many more episodes. Like you said, uh, we've had these conversations for a long time and it's about time we started <laughs> recording them. So, um, Absolutely. so, so grateful you could come on here and we get some, some of this great information out to the people. Um, and we've got a lot of projects we're working on with elevate and it's going to keep, keep moving forward. So keep your eyes out for, New episodes coming out, new posts on Instagram. You can follow us on uh, Elevate PT Performance on Instagram and Facebook. And um, this has been awesome, man. I, re I really appreciate it, your time, and um, we'll keep going forward. Absolutely, man. All right, man. Well, we'll let you go. Uh, thanks again, and as always, never stop moving. <laughs>